back to the Final Girl on 6th Avenue podcast. My name is Carolyn Smith-Hilmer and I'm your host and 6th Avenue's very own Final Girl. Today I'm going to be talking to you about the 2013 film called Under the Skin, starring Scarlett Johansson, Jeremy McWilliams, and Lindsay Taylor McKay. This film is directed by Jonathan Glazer and written by Jonathan Glazer and Walter Campbell. It is originally based on a novel written by Michael Faber of the same name. The summary from IMDb is as follows. A mysterious young woman seduces lonely men in the evening hours in Scotland. However, events lead her to begin a process of self-discovery. End quote. You can find this movie to watch on Showtime. That's where I watched it. It'll run you about an hour and 48 minutes. And of course, like all legendary movies, it is an A24 studio production. So you know the drill. We're not wasting any time. Let's get right into it. This movie starts with a black screen and a singular aqua blue dot in the center that grows larger. This eventually turns into like a blue aura um, and evolves into what I interpret to be a planetary system with some form of black hole or collision. Might even be an eclipse. Um, Those of you with more knowledge of the solar system and planets and the cosmos might um, be better equipped to determine what's going on there. During this scene, there is a feminine sounding voice that is trying to sound out English words. Cut to a beautiful river running down a cliffside in Scotland and a motorcycle driving at night down the most secluded road that I have ever seen. Our unknown motorcycle rider eventually ends up on a highway and jets off onto the sidewalk to walk down a dark path off the side of the road. It looks like there was a fence there and there's been like a, um, an entryway created within the fence. So he goes down this path and it kind of like fades to black, like we don't see where he's going. However, he reemerges through this blackness and has a dead woman slung over his shoulder. He puts her body in a van that he had parked on the side of the road. So I guess he had um, known that he was gonna have to go pick up this woman at some point. In a laboratory looking room, a woman is seen undressing the body and putting on the dead woman's clothes. So this is Scarlett Johansson's character and she is referred to as the female. She does not have a name. This is all done with the entire screen white and the two women made dark enough to stand out. So the two women have like normal coloring and um, obviously like they made it a little darker so that way we can see what these women look like but the rest of the screen is completely white. On the body, uh, the woman finds a live ant and picks it up to inspect it, and she's kind of uh, looking at it with a sense of wonder. Cut to a large, empty home, and the motorcycle man is driving off while the female drives off in the van. She goes to a shopping mall and purchases some makeup. The female drives around the city and ultimately waves down a man walking alone to ask him for directions. She asks him what he's doing, and he says he's going to meet with someone. She didn't really need the directions. She continues to ask men for directions on the road, asking them what they're up to and if they have family in the area. When the men say that they know people close by, she gets discouraged. She finally finds a man to ask for directions, and he says he works for himself and lives alone and is going home, so she offers to give him a ride. 
She continues to find men that do not have a romantic partner, don't have any friends around, don't have any close family, etc. These are easy targets to get in the car with her. She brings a man home with her, and while he walks behind her, she takes off one article of clothing at a time, and he does the same while following her. The whole room and the whole screen is pitch black, and all we can see are the two characters. As she continues to walk, the man following her steps into a black liquid and disappears. It's kind of like how, um, you know, when people are like, oh, I'm walking down a set of stairs, and they're, they're not actually walking down the set of stairs, they're just like bending their legs to make it look like that. Um, that's kind of what this looks like, but he is stepping down into this black liquid that eventually swallows him whole and turns back into a solid where he can't escape. The female then picks up her clothes and gets back into the van. Seemingly, she's out all night. The next morning, she goes to the beach and waits for a man in a wetsuit as he comes out of the water. She stands next to his towel, and he comes to get it. She asks him if there's anywhere good to surf and makes conversation with him. This is not good surfing water, by the way, so I'm not entirely sure where she got this idea. Um, you could just look at it and know that you can't surf there. He says that he's from the Czech Republic formerly and is living in a tent on the beach. Their conversation is interrupted by a woman screaming as she's getting caught in um, kind of like the, the waves of the water, I guess like the wake. Um, she can't fight it. She can't swim. So she's at risk of drowning, basically. The man in the wetsuit goes to save the drowning woman and her male companion. So at this point, the, um, the drowning woman is being followed into the water by her husband. So her husband is actually trying to rescue her as well. And... Um, the man in the wetsuit actually is only able to save the husband. He's not able to save the woman. The man in the wetsuit brings the husband to shore, and immediately the husband goes right back out to try to find his wife. Um, he doesn't even take two seconds to breathe or catch his breath or even recognize the fact that he's very likely not going to be able to help her at all. The man in the wetsuit is now exhausted and collapses on the shore, and the female takes a rock and hits him in the head. He's unresponsive, so she drags his body along the rocky beach while the drowning woman and her husband's baby cry on the beach. Um, they've left their baby there. The female then takes the man in the wetsuit and puts him into her van. The motorcycle man packs up in the next scene uh, the wetsuit man's tent on the beach and finds the couple's crying baby. He does not assist the baby and leaves it there. So. He probably left it there to die. It's very sad. The female drives until she finds a man walking alone through a parking lot. She gets out of the car to approach the man and is interrupted when a group of drunk, rowdy women gather her into their arms and force her to go into a club with them. The female tries to find her way out and is approached by a very drunk man who desperately wants to buy her a drink. She says that she saw him on the road and he thinks nothing of it. He's absolutely, absolutely wasted. Cut to the man from the club. Now he's dancing again, but this time he's in the all-black room while getting undressed with the female. As he walks toward her, he slowly steps into the same black liquid that the other man stepped into previously and disappears. The floor becomes a solid again where he fell through, and he looks up to see the female walking across the floor. While suspended in this liquid, he encounters another man who looks somewhat deformed. They cannot communicate with words, no sound comes out of their mouths, but the deformed man is able to touch the hand of the man from the club. Then, 
The other man shrivels up and becomes a two-dimensional version of himself, essentially. Um, I guess they whatever this liquid is has like sucked the the organs out of him, um, and now he's basically just skin. With the screen still black, we see a small opening with a red substance running down like a chute um, toward a orange-colored opening. When the red substance is gone, the opening closes. During traffic, a man in another vehicle buys the female roses sold by a man who's selling flowers, like, in the traffic. Kind of like the people who um, collect money, I guess, um, for donations. Like the firefighters when they walk around with their boots or whatever in busy roads. The man cut his hand on the roses and she inspects the blood on her hand. On the radio, a woman is discussing the body of a man that drowned washing up on the shore. A man in the car with the female is then telling her about how beautiful her eyes are. They arrive at her house again, and it is all black. There is enough light for her to put on some lipstick, though. This time, the floor is made of bricks, and instead of getting straight to the point of walking and stripping at the same time, she stands still, and the man walks around her, investigating her while she stares straight ahead. As he walks away, we see him as the man in the motorcycle outfit. So he was inspecting her, and the floor was completely solid, I guess, because she cannot um, kill him in the same way that she's killing these other men. He disappears into the dark, and finally the door to the house opens, and we see the female step outside. She goes for a walk around Scotland and trips and falls on a cobblestone road. Multiple people stop to help her up, but she's visibly disoriented and walks away without thanking any of the people that helped her. Later that night, her van is attacked by a bunch of weird punk young men or maybe teenagers even and she just drives away like she doesn't even react while she's parked in a new place she encounters a man with a distorted voice she says she's lost and asks for directions the man agrees to get in the car with her after she offers him a ride to the supermarket the man is very disfigured he is quiet and she asks why he goes shopping at night he says that the people are ignorant that shop i guess during the day and um make him like uncomfortable and wind him up he's no friends no girlfriend he's 26 years old he says he's never had a girlfriend before and she compliments his hands she stops the car and tells the man that she caught him looking at her and that she enjoyed it he does not appear to be interested in her at this point but she asks him if he's uncomfortable and he says no and that he just wants to go to tesco she takes his hand and puts it against her cheek she says his hand is cold, and he says that she is cold. She encourages him to continue to touch her face and neck. She tells him that she has a place roughly 30 minutes away and takes him to her house. This time, we see a silver figure walking behind the man. She and the man do the same song and dance where they disrobe while walking across the pitch black room. He walks right into the black liquid, just like the other man, and then we see the black and silver figure again, but this time it's superimposed over the female. So we can assume that this is um, some form of representation of her. She puts some clothes back on and walks around the house. I think this is the first time we really see her interacting with the house. And she stares at herself in a mirror in the hallway. Then she walks outside with the deformed man and he's seen walking through a field that we saw at the very beginning of the movie where the motorcycle man picked up the dead girl. So I guess she didn't let this man die. She, um, she released him. 
The deformed man is seen walking to what I assume is his own house um, because he was able to get there easily. Um, it's a quiet neighborhood, early dusk, and the motorcycle man catches the deformed man and puts him in the trunk of the car. Um, the car that he found in the driveway of the house that the deformed man was walking to and drives away while a woman in the neighborhood across the street watches. The female is driving, but it is so foggy outside that all we can see out of her windows are white. She gets out of the van and stands in the road. It's only foggy on the left half of the screen, but on the right half, it's actually clear. Her car died, so she just leaves it there. She goes to a cafe nearby and orders a piece of chocolate cake. This will be the first time we see her eat or drink anything throughout the movie. She puts one bite of this chocolate cake in her mouth and pretty much immediately spits it back out. She was not built to eat or drink. She continues to walk and a man on the street waiting tells her that the bus will be coming any minute now, so she decides to wait for it. On the bus, the driver berates her for not wearing a jacket or coat or hat. The man that waited for the bus with her asks if she needs any help and if he can do anything for her. She tells him yes, she does need help. He gives her a jacket to wear and takes her to a small grocery store. She then goes with the man to his apartment. He makes her some food that she obviously doesn't eat, and they watch TV together. She watches him do the dishes, and he brings her a cup of hot tea to her bedroom. What a nice man this guy was. He even got the heater set up for her and everything. Super nice, super gentleman. Love people like this. She proceeds to get naked and study herself in the mirror. Cut to multiple men on motorcycles speeding off from a starting point and going in opposite directions. The next morning, she goes on a walk with the man she stayed with, and three men on horses ride past her on the walking path. So I don't know if these are the same men. Um, I don't think so. But these men are looking for her. This man is pretty smitten with her. The men on the motorcycles continue to look for her. We see multiple scenes of them riding around. The female and the man that she stayed with go exploring during the day, and she gets frightened at some point by how like high up they are. They um, climbed like a, a tower of some sort, um, and he's super patient with her and helps her down the stairs. Back at his house, she um, is seen for the first time actually attempting to engage in sexual activity with a man. It's also at this point that she discovers that she has no um, reproductive genitalia or organs so sex cannot be an activity that she partakes in it's also really interesting the way that she finds this out um, it's like almost as if she had literally no idea that this is not something she could do previously um, and like I said it's the first time throughout the whole movie that we actually see her try to engage in this activity because typically like we just see her bring these men home and they get naked and then they get swallowed by the floor but that's not what happens here. This time she's actually initiating, like trying to have sex with this man that she has these feelings for. And she can't because um, she doesn't have the reproductive anatomy to do so. She like immediately gets up from the bed and starts, she takes like a lamp that she finds and, and holds it, you know, between her legs. Like she's really genuinely confused. So at this point, she, um, it's the next morning and she's walking through the forest and encounters a man in a yellow reflective jacket. He tells her to be careful because it's pretty slippery since it rains constantly and it's like super muddy. And asks her the questions that she's always asking of the men that she encounters. Like, are you alone? What are you doing? X, Y, Z. Their conversation ends and she walks off. 
We still, again, are seeing the men on the motorcycles looking for her. She's hiding in the forest. At this point, she comes across a shelter that says that it takes hill walkers and she enters the cabin. There's no one else inside, but it does look like it gets used like pretty regularly. There's blankets and chairs and tables and art supplies. There is a fireplace, but it's not lit. And she lays down on the wood floor and I guess maybe she sleeps, but I'm not sure if she can sleep since she can't eat or drink or pee or have sex. So I don't know if she's actually sleeping, but she does close her eyes. And outside, it's super, super windy. She wakes up to um, the man in the yellow jacket putting his hand down her pants. Um, and so she, this obviously freaks her out, and she, um, she runs out of the shelter back into the woods and finds, like, some mossy logs to hide behind. So um, the man with the yellow jacket, though, is nowhere in sight. Like, he's not chasing after her, which is even more weird because... Why is he following her if he's not going to chase her? It's really strange. Um, but she continues to walk like through the forest, through the woods, um, and she eventually comes across a semi-truck that has logs um, piled in like a trailer that it's going to pull. And um, there's nobody in the truck. So she climbs in, and she looks for the keys. When she can't find them, though, um, she realizes that she can't start the truck without them. So... Immediately, she looks up, like, from the dash, and the man in the yellow jacket is is walking towards her. So she attempts to, like, set the car alarm off, like, she honks the horn, and, um, like, obviously he's not going to be deterred by that. So she gets out of the truck, and she starts running, and the man in the yellow jacket finally catches up to her and tackles her to the ground. At this point, they have, like, a back-and-forth struggle, and he does attempt to uh, to rape her. But she fights him off until she can stand up again. And this is when we realize that her skin is a suit. Um, So, yeah, pretty weird because this whole entire time her her skin was just a suit. um, And there's no, like, blood or anatomy or anything in it. It's it's very interesting. Um, And underneath the skin that she's wearing, we see that same, like, black silvery figure that we saw... Um, that was superimposed over her whenever she was luring um, one of her last victims. So, at this point, um, the man obviously ran away, like I said, and then she just starts to basically just take off, like, everything, like her face and her hair and the suit of skin, and is just left with her black self, like her whole entire body, her eyes, everything, is just solid black. Like, it looks like she was made of graphite. Um, And she is kneeling on the ground and holding her face that she removed from her her body. And she's holding the face and she's looking at it. And the eyes on the face are still moving and blinking. And um, we think she's out of the clear and she's safe. But boy, she's sure not because the man in the yellow jacket then comes back again with gasoline and pours it on her and sets her on fire. Um, She does obviously get burned pretty well, um, and she falls into the snow and proceeds to just burn to completely ash. Um, Nobody intervenes. Nobody knows that she's there. Um, The motorcycle man is seen then on top of a snowy mountain. He's still looking for her. He seems to be upset. Um, and she's burning into ash. The smoke 
from her burning goes up into the sky and the smoke is like a grayish black color and the sky is completely white with snow falling and the movie ends just like that with snow falling like on the lens of uh, of the camera or you know the the tv um we're just looking at the snow falling from the sky from um the angle as you would if you were standing on the ground so that is the movie um it it doesn't seem like it's lengthy um and it's kind of not i like i said it's only um it's less than two hours but um the things that happen in the movie are very drawn out and there's also lots of scenes of her um like observing people and um I didn't really feel the need to like, I didn't really feel the need to like break those scenes down. I mean, they're pretty self-explanatory, but basically anytime she's out like wandering around looking for someone to kidnap or lure or what have you, um, there are scenes of, you know, just people interacting, like people leaving sports games, people being, um, you know, holding hands with their kid, people on dates, families at restaurants, people in the mall talking to each other, people putting on makeup in the mall, in the department store. Like, she, there's a lot of, of the movie where she is just observing people. But again, I, um, I didn't feel the need to, like, really delve into that. Um, but now is where we get to ask ourselves, what does all of this mean? So, um, at first I thought this movie was pretty confusing, and at the end I still think it's pretty confusing. <laughs> um, but my first impression of the movie was that it was just about a woman killing stupid men. And that's something I can always get behind in a movie. So move over Eileen Warnos, right? But um, then I started to think like more deeply about the movie. And I came to the conclusion that to me, this movie is, is about like the female experience, really. Like it's a commentary. Yeah, I know it's a commentary, just like everything else, you get it. But the main character is literally just called the female. She doesn't even have a name. And all she does is drive around Scotland and lure dumb men into her home with her promiscuity. And she never even has sex with these men. I mean, she's not even doing this for herself. Like she brings these men back and then what happens? Like they get swallowed by this black liquid enclosed under the floor of her house. And she reaps no benefit from that um we can kind of assume that she's working for that motorcycle man I, in the movie i believe like in the credits he's called the bad man which um he didn't seem to be like threatening her in any way but i think he's in charge of her because like every time in the movie she um, lures a new man or you know kills a man or what have you he goes and like cleans up after her to make sure that like, she doesn't get found out or caught. So, I think, like, he's kind of her fixer in a way, but he also is, like, in charge of her. Because at the end of the movie, when he can't find her, he looks pretty pissed. Like, that's what he just does the whole entire time. Like, he's just looking for her. Um, and she gets these men to come and be swallowed by this, um, you know, black liquid under the floor of her house. And then they turn into just their skin and nothing more and she doesn't reap any benefit of that so whatever she's doing she's doing for like whatever higher power or um greater power i guess i should say i should say that she works for which i think would just be the aliens that created her 
um, are relying on her to do these things. But she never makes physical contact with hardly any of the men. I mean, barely, right? Like, she'll touch, like, their face or their hands or whatever. Um, but when she tries to have sex for herself for the first time in the movie with the man who is taking care of her, she can't because she doesn't possess the anatomy to do so. So others are using her for that sexuality. And this greater being that she is feeding by luring these men into her home has planted her on the earth for the sole purpose of providing for it by using her skin suit and her looks to feed it. So she's literally using her sexuality in this instance for another reason other than for herself. Like she's not using it for herself at all. And not only that, but of course we can always see too, like just being a woman from my experience, like I know that sometimes it feels like people just want things from us all the time. Like they want anything from us all the time and there's nothing you can do. I feel like I'm the provider for everybody. Um, I think a lot of women feel that way. It's like we take care of everything. We do everything. We are everything. And when our lives are structured this way, it's hard for us to like sit back and think about like, well, I want to enjoy something on my own, right? And if I can't do that, then what purpose does my life even have? And I think that's kind of also interesting because like, like we said, she is seducing these men and luring these men for someone else. Like she's doing all of this for someone else. She's someone else's worker bee. But the one time she tries to do something for herself, she can't do it because she doesn't have the female reproductive anatomy or the reproductive anatomy of anything to, to accomplish this. So I thought that was just like another way of kind of looking at this movie, but also just an interesting commentary or perspective on the female experience. But then I thought more about the fact that the female is an extraterrestrial being, and that kind of landed me more on this um, thought loop that typically you think about when you talk about like artificial intelligence. And I know she's not technically AI, um, she's an alien, but I couldn't help but think of the thought experiment of Mary in a black and white room. And I don't know how familiar everyone is that's listening to this, but um, basically this is a thought experiment that is also sometimes called the knowledge argument and is often used in arguments about artificial intelligence and philosophical debates of what it means to truly know something. So um, it's kind of like a twofold argument where people talk about consciousness and knowledge. So this was first proposed by Frank Jackson in his 1986 article, Epiphenomenal Qualia, the experiment goes kind of like this. Um, this is directly from Frank Jackson. Mary is a brilliant scientist who is, for whatever reason, forced to investigate the world from a black and white room via a black and white television monitor. She specializes in neurophysiology of vision and acquires, let us suppose, all of the physical information that there is to know and obtain about what goes on when we see ripe tomatoes or the sky and use terms like red or blue and so on. She discovers, for example, just which wavelength combinations from the sky stimulate the retina and exactly how this produces via the central nervous system the contraction of the vocal cords and expulsion of air from the lungs that results in the uttering of the sentence, the sky is blue. 
what will happen when Mary is released from her black and white room or is given a color television monitor? Will she learn anything or not? This is where it gets kind of interesting. Yes, Mary knows everything scientifically that there is to know about color, but Mary has never actually experienced color. So this argument is in direct opposition of the argument of physicalism, which dictates that everything in the universe, even all things mental, are entirely physical. Physicalism also requires that we view the brain and consciousness as identical things. So, if Mary learns something new when she escapes from her black and white world, then physicalism is false. In other words, if Mary knows everything that there is to know about color perception as a science, and Mary sees red for the first time and learns from that experience that the color red looks like that and feels like that to her eyes and her scientific knowledge of the perception of the color red, then she has in fact learned something new via the experience. Therefore, physicalism is not a valid argument. And that's kind of what I see in this movie. Our female knows what sex is. As far as we know, she's never experienced it because all of the men she brings home die before they have sex, but she understands conceptually what it is. Then she tries to experience sex rather than just knowing what it is, and even though she's not able to due to her anatomical constraints, she would have learned during that experience that sex is more than just the meeting of two people's genitals. Um, it has emotions associated with it and, and other things. Like There's so many different um, components to the experience of having sexual intercourse with another person. Unfortunately, she won't be able to experience that and therefore will not be able to achieve the conscious um, level uh, understanding of what it is. I know just from speaking from like personal experience that in school we were always taught that, um, you know, babies were made and sex was when, you know, sperm fertilizes an egg. And I was always just like, okay, and? Like, what... What is that supposed to mean for me? Like, I don't know what that means. Like, I, I get scientifically what it means, but I'm not really sure what's going on there. Um, so I knew conceptually and scientifically what it was, but having not experienced it until later in life, my understanding of it was not complete. So because she cannot experience what sex actually feels like, her knowledge of sex will never be complete. And she's forever trapped in her own black and white world. And ultimately, I think that is what led to her demise. She's so distraught over the fact that she was using her perceived promiscuity to lure men, but she'll never be able to actually explore this promiscuity for herself. I even think the imagery of the movie speaks to this. Like when she brings the men home, the whole entire screen is just black. Like everything's black. And the only color that we can see are like the clothes that she and the male counterpart are wearing in their, their bodies, like in their bodily features. But um, her room is black. The sky is white a lot of the time. Um, she has no understanding of what she's doing. Her room is black. That's literally, her room is black and white. She sees the world through black and white. And she has no understanding of what it is that she's actually doing or what this this sex experience would actually be like and when she dies at the end of the movie in the field after being set on fire everything is white everything is white around her except for her she's just black smoke and completely 
a black body and it just signifies like the world she was living in all along it was all just her stuck in this black and white world but also like i think this is a lot broader than sex i mean the female is not a human but she's kind of living the human experience um her information is is pretty asymmetrical in this sense i mean she's living life as a human and she you know can drive a car and make conversations and use cognitive processes to make decisions like you know regarding like the men that she chooses to try to attract and kill and the ones to let go and as i mentioned like she does do a lot of observing of people throughout this movie um you know, she learns how to put on lipstick by going to the mall and watching somebody at a makeup counter apply um, lipstick to a woman at a department store. And she smells perfumes because she sees other people in the, um, in the store, you know, smelling perfume. Like she's learning things by experiencing them. And this kind of, again, is like going back into what I was just talking about. Um, she, it's just that she's not a human um, and she doesn't have the ability, therefore, to know what the human experience really is. But she's trying very, very hard to like have the same experience as humans. Um, she's making conversations. She even tries to eat, right? And like, we know she's an alien from the get-go, but she tries to eat um, and she discovers that she wasn't built to do that. Her skin is just a, a suit. And honestly, at the end of the movie, I can't really tell. I can't really tell if she had known that previously or if this was a new discovery to her. Um, because when I think back to the part where the, uh, the man gives her the roses in traffic and there's blood on the stems because the man selling the roses had cut his hand, I can't tell if she was examining it that closely because she didn't know what blood was. Um, but I think that's probably pretty true. Cause like she has never like cut herself, right? Like she, she doesn't have, um, she doesn't have those types of experiences. So like if I were to cut myself, like blood would come out. But if like we saw at the end where the man in the yellow jacket, like rips her suit, like she doesn't bleed. So She's not a human, and I think that's why she examines that blood so closely whenever the man gives her the roses is because she sees his hand also. Like, she looks out the window and sees his hand is, is kind of covered in blood, and, like, that's just not something she could experience. So I'm wondering if at the end of the film, whenever she has her skin suit ripped and no blood comes out, I'm, like, wondering if that like really took her by surprise um, because obviously she has a, a brain or some form of, of brain and she can function like she has cognitive reasoning, but it's just not something she was equipped with from the start. She's learning it as she goes. She's learning it through interacting with others. And um, I, I'm wondering if like at the end of the movie, she was supposed to appear surprised by the fact that her suit ripped and nothing came out. Like, she knew from watching The Man with the Roses that he ripped his skin suit, for lack of a better term, and blood came out. But this man in the yellow jacket ripped her skin suit and nothing came out. So um, I'm also wondering if, like, there are more than just her and if she 
is able to consciously differentiate herself from, you know, other normal humans. Um, she is like trying to, I guess, like at the beginning. Okay. Like at the beginning, very beginning, the motorcycle man brings her the body of the dead, dead woman that he found um, on the side of the road. Well, that body looked like it was planted there. And that makes me wonder if um, this woman, who also didn't appear to have any cuts, bruises, blood, anything, if um, the female took the identity on, kind of, of this woman in a way, because she started to wear her clothes, and was kind of wondering if, you know, maybe the dead woman was a human. Um, she didn't take her skin suit off of her, so we don't know, but um, I, we can kind of assume that she may not be able to differentiate the fact that some people or beings around her in everyday life are real, normal, regular humans, but she's not. And I think at the end, we see her get that, that revelation of true consciousness, of her finally understanding that, no, she's not a human. She's not a real person. And this whole time she thought she was. Like, she thought she could engage in sexual activity. She had no idea that she didn't have any of the anatomical parts needed to do it um, until she tried. She never investigated that part of her body, which normally you would. So um, I think that can also be why, like, she dies at the end. Like, yeah, obviously the man in the yellow jacket sets her on fire, but the directors could have, and the writers could have chosen to not let her die. Um, but I think like she came to the realization that, yeah, she's not real. She's not a real human. She's not a person. And that type of consciousness by living that experience, like just crushed her inside. Um, and I think ultimately that's why the writers probably chose to let her die if this is what they were intending. But this is, again, just my interpretation. So that's, um, that's, my, that's my story. Um, and thank you so much for sticking around this long if you made it this far. I'm a little bit under the weather today, so um, this might not be my best work ever, but this is definitely one that I am proud of. And um, I really enjoyed this movie. I think that if you have showtime and if you have like a decent amount of time to watch a movie that really makes you pay attention and really makes you wonder like what the fuck am I watching I think this is a great movie to do that um I don't love Scarlett Johansson typically I enjoyed her in this movie I thought she portrayed this character um in a very real way um and I I definitely think this is probably one of the better movies I've seen within the last year or so um I would definitely give it a watch if you could. If I, uh, I think I'm going to start rating movies at the end of each episode. And so um, I'm going to rate them out of 10. I would give this movie like a strong seven. I really would. I think, um, I think it's a movie that definitely makes you think. So maybe not a movie you watch on a rainy day. Um, but if you're looking to fulfill some sort of like non-traditional plot line movie, this is great for filling that hole. So thank you so much again for sticking around. I um, call to action as usual. Please, 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 if you haven't already, please give me a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, um, wherever you're listening to this. You can find me on Instagram at finalgirlon6. 
You can email me at finalgirlon6 at gmail.com. That's the number six for both Instagram and the email. And I'm getting kind of desperate with the review situation. So um, (laughs) if you don't mind telling friends, family, others, people that like me, people that hate me, people that don't know who I am, to uh, please have them give me a five-star review. If you want to text them a link to my podcast, um, anything to help me out, I would really, really appreciate it from everybody. I'm going to start, um, I think, posting a little bit more on social media. So if you guys have any ideas about stuff you'd like to see me post, um, please let me know. And until next time, thank you so much for sticking around. I am Sixth Avenue's very own final girl, and I can't wait to talk to you next week. Bye.